Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Good morning and welcome to Spotlight. Uh, So excited to have you joining us today on the show. I've got a really special show in store for you today. We're going to be talking about something really important, and that's developing EQ in children. Uh, Now, this is so important. They say EQ now is more important than IQ. And when I say they, I don't have any uh, concrete studies, but Google it and you'll come up with some. And today joining me in studio, I've got a really fantastic guest. His name is Reed Dickens. And um, Reed, if you've heard my show before, you know Alistair start out giving my guests an opportunity to brag about themselves. I hate reading bios. So I want to give you an opportunity to brag about yourself. If you don't do a good job, I'm going to step in and help you. But um, what what are some of the accomplishments that you've had in your life or some of the things that you'd like to brag about today? Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. This is fun. Um, so I, I always look back, you know, in my life from a very Malcolm Gladwellian perspective, right? And you think, you know, uh, I didn't do anything to be born uh, to two healthy parents, you know, healthy to two parents in uh, the United States of America in this century, right? Um, so I, I feel like I had a lot hit, hit the jackpot from, from day one. Uh, but we had very uh, tough economic times in Monroe, Louisiana, where I grew up. Uh, we, uh, my dad was a really hard worker. We mowed lawns and uh, painted houses, and um, and then I always say, then I turned nine. Um, but we we had uh, we had a lot a, a really loving family. Um, I was the oldest of five siblings. Um, so what I'm hearing from you, you grew up in Louisiana. You started working at a young age because you, I mean, your family wasn't wealthy, um, and you just really learned. Hard work. I it think. was so. My dad, we we the paper mill shut down, and we literally it wasn't about not being wealthy. We would mow lawns all week to go pay the utility to turn the utilities back on. And so wow. I mentioned that because I I didn't have a typical background mm-hmm. uh, for the po- political road I was going to end up on. So uh, in terms of bragging about myself, I, I would I would say it's all with uh, it's all within the context of how blessed and fortunate I am. But I did uh, go to visit a friend, uh, watch a friend graduate from Air Force Academy uh, when I was a junior in high school, and I saw. Uh, the president of the United States, uh, President Clinton, was coming in on helicopters, and there was like eight helicopters coming in, and they came in in their shell formations and landed in the parking lot, and I was on the top row looking over the edge, and I saw him um, barking at a bunch of youngsters that looked like they were my age. I was 17 at the time, and and they were all on two cell phones and looked really busy and important. And I said to my friend, I said, I'm going to do that one day. And he said, well, do what? And I said, I'm going to work for a president. And he said, wow. how? And I said, I don't know. And so I went home and bought a notebook and I wrote at the top of it, Path to the White House. And I just started writing down people that I thought I could go meet and find. And so uh, I always like to skip forward. These are just two movie moments I like to share because yeah. if you saw them in a movie, you wouldn't believe them. Uh, so uh, uh, about... Seven years later to the day, mm-hmm. I landed on the same helicopter with George W. Bush in the same parking lot. Um, so that, so, that, was, <laughs> that, that was, was a surreal So moment. that was a, a surreal, I'm a big yeah. believer in self-fulfilling prophecy. And then uh, also when I was graduating from college, I had didn't have a job lined up, so I kept emailing and calling this one person that I knew. And uh, I drove over to Austin, volunteered in the governor's office there, became an assistant to someone, became an assistant to the uh, R.E. Fleischer uh, after the Florida recount, and became the, a press aide and was in and out of the Oval Office every day. Uh, but when I was in college, I asked one of my friends at graduation, sitting on the graduation stage, I said, uh, what are you going to do? And she said, I'm probably going to go wait tables for my uncle. I said, no, what do you? what's your passion? What do you really yeah. want to do? And she said, well, I would, I'd love to run a country uh, for the Peace Corps. And she said, but I'm not smart enough. And I, she said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to work for the President of the United States. Yeah. So uh, fast forward two years later, I was, I was, we were leaving South America, and John King from CNN came up to me as we were getting on Air Force One and said, hey, there's a girl uh, over there on the st- press stage who wants to talk to you. And mm-hmm. these people were always, this is the same John King from CNN who had duct taped me in the bathroom on takeoff. So they were always <laughs> pranking me. Um, and so I said no. And so finally, yeah. after about five times, he said, no, really. So I went over to the press stage, and it was that girl, uh, Christina. Wow. And she was running the country for the Peace Corps, and I was wow. a White House spokesman. So I always like to start with those two stories, that I, I was fortunate enough to have a front row, front row seat as I was in uh, White House's 
assistant press secretary for George W. Bush during 9, right. during 9-11. Well, well I, want to, I want to pull something out of this here for a moment because as you're telling your story. I'm not doing a good enough job. No, you're doing a great job. But I always <laughs> like to pull out golden nuggets. You know, whenever I'm interviewing somebody and they've experienced some level of success in their life, I like to figure out why. Like, how did you get there? So something really resonated with me that you said, and that was that you set an intention. I was at a Tony Robbins event last week, and he said, you know, our nation is suffering from intention deficit disorder. Now, we've all heard of attention deficit disorder, right. but intention deficit disorder. And that is that we, uh, as a nation or as a people, kind of have lacked this uh, motivation to set goals, to set intentions for our life. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the power of that intention that you set in that moment and saying, hey, this is something that I'm going to do. So what I want to hear from you is, what's that, what's that gap? I mean, I know there's a lot of us that probably said things, you know, like, I'm going to do this one day, or I'm going to do that. And then we haven't accomplished it yet. But but what, fill in the blank for me, what happened to you? What would you tell somebody about really filling the gap between setting the intention and having that intention come to pass? I mean, you've heard all the cliches, right? That a, that a goal without a plan is a delusion, right? Like, I, I think uh, I just read a book called Willpower Doesn't Work. It's one of the best books I've ever read. Right. And he talks about how for every single goal you set, there should be an entire page of here are all the things that are going to prevent me from my goal. Here's all the things that are going to make me fall off the wagon. Here's all the things that are going to be barriers. It's almost like a five-page plan versus, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, right? And so, I think so hold I, on. What, what yeah. he's saying is write all the things that would prevent you well, both. from here's, achieving here's your goal? How, here's okay. the forcing functions of things okay. I need to change in my life to, that are going to force me into a behavior to achieve this. Right. Uh, maybe that's moving to a different city. Maybe it's quitting my job and going to a different industry. Here's all the things that have to happen that if I do these things, they'll be forcing functions that are going to force my behavior, right? Okay. Uh, may, may, that can be as simple as removing Oreos from your house, <laughs> or it could be like, you know, changing cities, right? Um, but I'm saying if that's your problem, yeah. right? Uh, but what I was going to say is, and so when I decided I wanted to work at the White House, I had no, I'd never met anyone in politics. I only know a few people with air conditioning in their car, yeah. let alone work in the White House. Right. And so I took my notebook out and I came up with a plan. And, and now obviously there's a lot of things that went into it that were, you know, it was by the grace of God. There's a lot of things that had nothing to do with me, but I will say I did set my sights on it. And when I got over to Austin and was volunteering, um, I saw someone on TV, and she was about 28 years old, Mindy Fletcher, uh, Mindy Tucker was her name, and uh, Mindy Tucker Fletcher, and she was the, one of the youngest campaign spokesmen. And I said to my friend that I want to do I want to do that on the next campaign, which was mm-hmm. four years later. Well, I was 23, and I was an intern in finance, and I was out of cash, and I didn't have, have the gas money to get back to Louisiana. So there was no pathway from even inside the campaign right. for me to be a, a press spokesman. And so when we went to the Florida recount, I went as a volunteer. And I saw her in the hall, and I latched onto her, and I became her driver. And she was only five years older than me, and I drove her to every interview every morning. And then when the recount was over, mm-hmm. I called her. I think she was going to get a restraining order on me. I called her <laughs> probably five or six times a yeah. week and emailed her every day. And yeah. she's the one I found out years later that called Ari Fleischer, and he hired me. He hired me having never met me uh-huh. just because so many people like Mindy called her called him about me. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely think that there's something about the spoken word. So it was, it was also that you actually found somebody that was able to mentor you or help you or could you? Now, when you became her driver, here's a, here's my question: Was this like your job, or did you just volunteer to do well, that? Well, so a, a recount it only happens you know about once every hundred yeah. years, right? So it was kind of a free for all. So we all left the camp head, campaign headquarters mm-hmm. in Austin. And whatever job you had on the campaign didn't yeah. really matter. It was just all hands on deck. So I just went as soon as I got, I wanted to work in media. Yeah. So the moment I got there, I went over to the media people and they didn't even know who I was and said, I want to work for you guys. And so I ran errands. I went to Walmart at two in the morning and bought underwear. I did anything they needed me to, as opposed to staying with my group, which was doing like an audit back in Austin. Yeah. So you're 23 years old. You see somebody, you want to uh, get to her position. So you start driving her around. So now you're 24 years old what are you doing 24 so uh so we ended up going on to uh dc and i became uh, ari fleischer called me and said hey you're going to be my press aide i become the assistant uh to ari fleischer which in my office was about 20 feet from the oval office and so um i was in a good place and so i was around the president all day i was around the national media all day and so i just made it my point i would stay two or three hours after work almost every day and read the president's entire briefing book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made it a point because I felt like I was really behind. Everybody else was really well educated, right. came from Ivy League schools. Their parents went to 
you know, Yale with George W. Bush, and I, uh, they kept, they, they always asked me where I came from as if I was like a total fraud, and I felt like a total fraud, right? Yeah. And so I just worked really hard, and so mm -hmm. finally one day, um, my boss, the assistant press secretary, left uh, the West Wing, left the White House, and they called me in and said, can you handle his job? And mm -hmm. I said yes, which is ironic, because today, 18 years later, 19 years later, I still don't feel qualified for the yeah. job I had at 24. So, so wh why did you say yes in that moment? And I always hear, you know, people say, well, just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. Was was that in your mindset? Like I'm going to say yes, even though I'm not qualified. What was you what know, was going through your head in that you moment? You know, I um, I felt like I had been visualizing myself in that moment for years, right? Mm. And so I also always had this. I had this supreme confidence that I could just figure it yeah. out. Um, and so there were some rocky moments. There were dozens of days that I thought I was going to get fired. There were days that I sat on the in the bathroom and almost cried. And uh, it wasn't easy, but I but I did figure it out. Um, and w one time I asked one of my bosses. I said. Um, why did you give me that job at such a young age? And he said, well, you were too young to have your own opinions. In D.C., most spokespeople have their own opinions. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I knew the president's messaging backwards and forwards. And so I actually think I did a better job because of how young I was. Yeah. I was really focused Focused on yeah. the work, kind I wasn't. Objective. I wasn't there as a career step, or I wasn't planning right. my exit to a lobbying firm, you right. know, like a lot of people in DC. Interesting. Well, um, one of the things too that that I well, there's two things that really stand out to me about your journey to success. Number one is the power of intention, setting an intention. And then the second one's that power of visualization. I think that's what really allowed you the confidence to say yes in that moment because you had seen yourself there so many times. So I, I just wanted to pull those two golden nuggets yeah. out of your story. You know, if if you're listening right now, I mean. What what do you want? What is your intention in life? And I talk about this all the time. You've probably heard me say this before, but I love this analogy. In the book, uh, Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll, Alice comes to a fork in the road. She's trying to decide which way to go. She doesn't know. The Cheshire Cat appears. And he asks her, he says, Alice, uh, or she said, Cheshire Cat, which road should I take? And he said, well, Alice, it depends on where you want to go. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. And uh, she said, well, I don't know. He said, then it doesn't matter which road you take. How many opportunities, if we don't have a clear intention, present themselves? And we don't know whether to say yes or no because we don't know where we want to go. We don't have that road. We don't have that clear vision. So setting an intention and then visualizing yourself there. And then, of course, we've all heard when a preparation and opportunity come together, that's what equals success. So you were prepared in that moment when you had that opportunity and we're able to glean success from that. So I love that. Now, I want to talk to you, though, because uh, how did you get from being in the White House, being in politics, to now you're actually running a company um, called EQtainment that's helping parents to teach their children about EQ. And uh, we all know the importance of EQ. So how did you, how did you make that transition um, from, from being in the White House to doing what you're doing now? So it's a great question. I, when I left the White House, I drove out to California. I didn't know anything about business. Uh, I just knew I wanted to be a business person. Um, mm -hmm. I started a PR firm. Uh, it did fairly well relative to the fact that I had never, you know, had a air car with air conditioning. It, you know, I ended up with uh, a fairly successful boutique crisis management firm um, that ended up selling to my partner. Uh, but it, but it got me. Uh, one day we were at a breakfast, and this client who was a billionaire said to me, said to the table, he said, "Oh, this is my PR guy." And I, not that there's anything wrong with being a PR, having a PR firm, but I realized I didn't want to be someone's PR guy. I wanted to be a businessman. I mm -hmm. couldn't articulate what that was. But I knew I wanted to be a principal. I wanted to take risks and create value. I just didn't know how to say it. So I started looking for opportunities to start start uh, companies. And eventually, some of those opportunities came my way. Um, I got an opportunity uh, with some thanks to my brother. Uh, my younger brother was working for the governor of Louisiana. He met a baseball player who wanted to um, start a baseball uh, a brand for baseball bats, yeah. and so we co-founded a. It became a the number one bat in baseball. So we um, we took. You, you told me to brag. We took uh, we took most of Louisville Slugger's market share in our first five years and became the number one bat. No one had done that uh, in 129 years. Wow. No, no one had toppled Louisville Slugger, um, and so. 
Um, I ran that company for a few years. It was the chairman for more a few more years. Uh, moved back out to California and was looking for my next opportunity. Um, I started a few other consumer brand companies, but my wife actually had been studying emotional intelligence since she was at Harvard, and this was really her brainchild. Um, I was uh, really had spent years raising capital and building brands and building businesses and distribution channels and manufacturing, and she had been studying emotional intelligence. So the more I learned about it, the more I realized that this is a real, this is a global opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I, she always said it was an opportunity to change the trajectory of millions of kids' lives, and I always said it was a chance to have a globally scaled business. <laughs> well, I, lo I love that you came together. And, you know, I, I think that's the beauty of a partnership. You have one partner that, you know, has that heart-centered right brain, and then you have the, yep. the left brain logistical. And that was definitely and, uh, and, Reed, I'm loving this story. It's time for us to go to commercial break now. But when we come back, we're going to hear more about Reed Dickens' story, uh, how he went from working in the White House to now having a company where he helps teach parents how to help their kids have higher emotional intelligence, which is so important in our society today. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Reed Dickens. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women, and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer celebrity friends and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee Guaranteed, it will be the best hour of your week. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. If you're just joining us, we have Reed Dickens with us today. Uh, Reed is so powerful. Reed uh, actually was the youngest ever, and I give me the title, the exact yeah, title, so I don't botch it. At the time, I was uh, quite young. I don't know if it still is, but a White House Assistant Press Secretary. So youngest ever White House Assistant Press Secretary. He went from uh, growing up in a family that uh, really struggled financially to being in college, having this moment where he saw the president land these helicopters during a graduation and um, saying, I'm going to be there one day. I'm going to work for a president. And you actually did it. And um, so that's, that's really powerful. And I know you've appeared regularly on um, popular TV shows 
shows, podcasts, radio shows. Um, and, but now you're doing something that sounds like you're really passionate about. So your wife actually went to Harvard, studied emotional intelligence. Uh, she came back, and after you'd started a few companies and been very successful, including the most successful baseball bat company, um, you said, hey, let's let's scale this. Let's teach people how to teach their kids to have greater emotional intelligence. So you were in the middle of that story telling about how you and your wife decided to start this business. Yeah, so she had discovered, uh, Daniel Goldman had spoken at Harvard, and she really became a, a fan of his and realized that uh, emotional intelligence was the closest correlate to life success. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's really no correlation other than, like Malcolm Gladwell says, other, other than you need a minimum threshold of IQ, yeah. uh, there's not a lot of correlation between academics or, or IQ and success. In fact, um, most kids who've, uh, I think they did an average over 25 years of kids who aced, the made a perfect score on the SAT, mm -hmm. and their average income was like $40,000. Not that that's not good, but yeah. the, the point is um, academics doesn't translate to successful lives, marriages, or finances. Um, having emotional intelligence, and let's just define that really quickly, it means you know there's three buckets. There's about 14 or 15 components, but it is three major buckets: um, impulse control, um, social uh, awareness, social you know uh, yeah. s s awareness of the room, uh, other people's emotions, and then social management, which is awareness of your own em emotions. And so, uh, so what happened was Sophia created a. a she basically built a, started with a board game. Sophia is your wife. Yes, started with a board game on Kickstarter, and all 200 questions were in three categories: you, Q, and do. Q is a monkey that's a genius but has a lot to learn about life. The do cards tell you to do activities because the same part of your brain that uh, teaches balance actually teaches, controls your emotions. So like, uh, mm, one So board, yoga is really helpful. It is. And one, I love that. One card I love will yoga. say like, one card will say balance on one leg and sing a happy birthday in an angry voice. And kids will be yeah. giggling. And then the next card will say, when's the last time you were afraid? And kids will open up and start talking about things that they've never told their parents before. Mm. And so we've had parents sobbing saying, I asked my child every day in the carpool line, how was school? And they say, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but when we're playing this game yeah. over the dinner table, they'll start saying, well, one of my friends locked me in a closet or, you know, whatever. And so um, so the board game, and then it turns, she wrote a, a, a kid's show. Uh, it's an animated show. Uh, her, her and an animated monkey and a different influencer in every show uh, wrote uh, original music that's not annoying. Most kids' music is annoying. And so she wrote music that's more Taylor Swift than, mm -hmm. than Sesame Street. Um, and then also there's a school curriculum for teachers. There's an app for moms. We have an app that has a mom portal and a kids' portal. So physical products, school curriculum, and, and then also um, a show and an album. Now, what age was this all geared towards? Like so it's, it's three, to, three to ten. Three to ten. And why why that age? Why is it important to... So your brain's developing so fast at that point. The same part of your brain that controls your limb and your your mm -hmm. limb coordination uh, controls your emotions. Do you remember, if you remember the Pixar movie In and Out, uh, Inside Out, yeah. uh, where mm -hmm. they had all the emotions sitting right. at a control uh, panel? Yeah, I, love that. Uh, I always said I was going to sue Disney because that literally, I'm, I'm joking, but my wife, that's what she had been saying in her speeches yeah. for years, right? Is that it's a hard panel in your brain. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, coastal moms will make EQ about empathy. It's about being kind. That's, right. No, it's a control panel in your brain. It's a, you can practice it, model it, and improve it, right? It's a hard skill. It's not a soft skill. Well, that's so that's so interesting. So um, I'm I'm friends with uh, Walter O'Brien, who's he's probably one of the the smartest people in the world. He, he's amazing. No one's hacked, ever said that about me. Hacked into mm -hmm. yeah, no one's ever said that about me either. But hacked into NASA at 12 years old. Um, you know, just has this super high IQ, uh, works with the government now. The show Scorpion is about mm -hmm. him, executive producer of the show Scorpion. But it's interesting because in my conversations with him, and if you go and watch the show Scorpion, one of the things that he has struggled with having such a high IQ is he's really had to learn EQ. And what was interesting to me is as I've watched the show and as I've known him and, and kind of watched him throughout the years, um, I love him. He's one of my favorite people. And what's so interesting is he has learned EQ. And I think really false uh, perception that a lot of us have is either you're born with EQ or you aren't. That it's like IQ, right? You're either born with a high IQ or you aren't. Mm -hmm. But EQ can actually be learned and developed. Is that correct? Yeah, so uh, this is going to be, sometimes it's cringeworthy to hear these words out loud, but the IQ test was written in 1890 by Alfred Binet yeah. to prove that 12 African-American children were retarded and it was funded by the commission mm -hmm. of the retarded that was the actual yeah. government agency so I'm not being politically incorrect yeah. um, and the reason why I'm pointing that out is that Alfred Binet said till his dying day the IQ test was never meant to test upside it was never meant to test intelligence only downside functionality but the US the, but Stanford brought it over to the US and it evolved into our standardized tests it mm -hmm. permeated our standardized tests and so our US education system is really left brain memorization based because of the mm -hmm. IQ test 
And because he wrote it for kindergartners, people always say, well, your IQ yeah. maxes out by five. Well, that's because the test was written for kindergartners. Well, and, um, and I just have to, I'm going to get on soapbox. You can practice yeah. and model your whole life. Yeah. So you can take someone who has who is socially dysfunctional yeah. uh, at 40 years old and start practicing eye contact, impulse control, mm. manners, recognizing uh, social cues, body language. You can teach it and model it your whole life. Yeah, that's re that's really intriguing and interesting to me. And I've always had a problem with the IQ test. Um, I two of my children got tested for it because I wanted to put them in a special program right. when they were younger. Um, they both tested high. One tested slightly higher than the other. I swear I would never say who Reveal. you know had the higher <laughs> IQ or that's whatever. Funny. But it's interesting because so much of EQ and personality develops into this because, like uh, for me, for example, one of my my EQ things is I'm just emotionally aware of people. I'm determined. I work hard. And I think sometimes that goes further than the actual IQ itself. I know very, very smart people, like you were saying, that really don't go the distance. They don't have that intention. They don't have the visualization. Right. They don't have the awareness to be able, like you did when you hopped in the car with the lady who was, you know, and started driving her, uh, that had the connections that you wanted and you wanted to be like her. Like, they don't have the awareness to do that. So, um, so I, and, and I've never been tested. I said, I don't want to be tested for IQ, IQ because if it's high, what's going to happen is I'm going to feel like I don't have to work as hard. If it's low, I'm going to think I'm stupid, and I'm not going to be able to to manifest those things that I want in my life. So well, I don't think I don't think my, there's any hidden there. secrets that mine's probably pretty average. But I, I will say that uh, I think IQ is more about your processor, right? Almost yeah. like a computer. Uh, and and there's also other factors, right? There's there's a lot of data showing that every time you memorize new information, it creates space for more information. So mm -hmm. so reading and comprehension is just as important as your processor. And then you have emotional intelligence, which I would say is more important. The Stanford Marshmallow Test is a good example. Oh, yeah. uh, 40 years ago, right, they put a kid in a, in a room with a marshmallow, which at the time was cool. Uh, it, was, it was like candy. And they said, if you can go 15 yeah. minutes without eating it, you can have yeah. another one, right? Yeah, yeah. And what they learned, there was a flaw in that study because they, they thought EQ at the time was, was innate, like IQ, like yeah. you were born with it. But what they did learn was that the kids that could control their delay gratification and control right. themselves for 15 minutes, it was so binary. The kids who waited went on to be successful, and the kids who ate the marshmallow, it's really, we, we almost made a radio ad one time saying, will your kid be a prisoner or the president? Because the, the statistics, the kids who ate the marshmallow did drugs. You know, they're, they're stood, all the negative statistics were off the chart just from that one test. So uh, we actually mm -hmm. replicated the marshmallow test, right. except we added in a control group that you can actually teach kids to distract themselves. So we have a, an mm -hmm. episode of the show with Michael Strahan from Good Morning America. Right. I can't believe I'm saying Michael Strahan from Good Morning America. He's a good friend of mine. He used to be a football player. Um, but uh, a Hall of Fame football player, but now he's Michael Strahan from Good Morning America. There's an episode where he and the monkey are having a contest yeah. to see who can go the longest without eating a chocolate chip cookie. And Michael Strahan's doing yoga and breathing exercises, and he's not looking at it, and the monkey keeps staring at it and finally loses, right? Yeah. And so there's some really profound lessons for adults in those episodes, right? I love that. And I love that you bring up the breathing exercises, the yoga. Those are things like for me, just in my life, I've struggled with anxiety, was diagnosed with OCD when I was younger. And those things have also brought me great peace of mind to be able to, to calm my mind, to clear my mind and to focus on what I want and also bring in my body. I think that's an important part of EQ. So let's go back to EQtainment is what your your business is now. It's your company. It's what you're doing. Um, talk to me a little bit. You, you, I, your wife developed games. Uh, she has a show. What other components are there of EQtainment? And can you share some tips that we can use today that I can go home and use with my kids? Of course, my kids are older. They're teenagers. But but um, first of all, tell us a little bit more about the company and then give us some some advice that we yeah, can so use. Yeah, so the company just, uh, just finished the history. We hit an inflection point because it went from being a, a company with board games and a plush breathing doll and things like that and Target stores to all of a sudden um, we created an album and a sh original music and, a, and the Kardashian team created an app and we partnered with Allison Stoner to create original music. A mm -hmm. She was a Disney star yeah. and then we uh, partnered with Larry King's company actually to, to produce a show and we hired a CEO uh, an executive from Mattel, Erica Buxton, and she really became like a co-founder of the company because uh, she's a Harvard MBA, uh, has a background in consulting and was an engineer by training, and she brought a day-to-day -day discipline and execution and, and even industry expertise that we were lacking. Um, so Sophia and Erica became quite the dynamic duo, and so uh, right, about, right about that time, the, the platform really uh, morphed into what is now the only 
holistic school-to-home solution out there. So there's there's no other platform out there. So wait, wait. the only holistic school to home, to home solution, solution. Meaning yeah, the what does same, that mean? The same lessons. Okay. We have we teach across the board from the from the board games mm-hmm. uh, to the to the app to the music to the show to the classroom workbooks to the teacher's guide to our AR VR technology. It all drives home the same lessons. So you can have a, a topic of the month like eye contact or um, impulse control, right? Uh, or walking a mile in someone else's shoes. Mm. Empathy, right? If that's the topic of the month, they learn it in class. They listen to it in the music. They watch it in the show. They go home to their parents, and they have a board game to play it over dinner. Uh, so it's it's a completely wow. uh, a, a, a across the board approach. And there's nothing else right. out there like that. So this is for teachers, for parents, parents for, for kids. people that homeschool, for people that don't homeschool. It's just for anybody we're who actually, has children. We're actually in the middle of trying <laughs> oh, no. to form a partnership yeah. right now that will make this easier for uh-huh. homeschoolers to get access to it. But so there's a consumer app you can get on iTunes. It's called Q Wonder. Okay. W-U-N-D-E-R. Q Wonder okay. is the monkey's name. So uh, there's a Q Wonder app. It's an award-winning app. We're very proud of it. And it has all of our music, all of our content, and even a quiz, even an assessment for a mom to assess their child's EQ. Right. It's not standardized, but it allows you to see. Um, we have an algorithm that we developed mm-hmm. that you assess your child based on this simple 25-question test you bang yeah. through with your child. And then you, we have an algorithm that customizes your child's path through our app yeah. based on how they do on the assessment. So it may say, hey, your child needs to work on empathy, or your child mm-hmm. needs to work on not being selfish, or maybe your child needs to work on not being a bully. And so it'll make it to where they watch those episodes first, hear those songs first. It's really, really interesting. So, of course, we want to encourage people to get the app, do the 25 questions, but what are some of the questions on there? What are those questions like? Can you give me some examples? Yes, so a a lot of it um, for the children, but it also has so many applications. It's not difficult to see the applications for adults, but a lot of it for for the children will be, um, you're at a birthday party, um, you're at your birthday party, you get a gift, and you've already got three of it, um, what do you say? Right, uh, and most kids, it's unfortunate, say, oh, "I already have this," or they just set it aside and oh keep opening presents. I was right? totally like, I was one of those kids that, like, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings," or like, I want him to feel excited about giving me a gift, so I'd open a gift and I'd be like, "Oh my gosh!" And uh, I look at videos of me like I'm six and seven years old, doing the and Taylor I'm totally Swift, dramatic, the Taylor like Swift reaction. making this like, ah, and so I've toned it down as an adult, but right. yeah, but but that's, well, I, that's interesting. I like to me. you was kind yeah. and soft-hearted as well. Yeah, but uh, no, but uh, I'm joking. But but I'm most, sure my parents had a lot to do with that. They taught me how to be that way. (laughs) (laughs) No, but a lot of kids, you know, will will not know how to react or they'll just act awkward, right? And so the game will say, what, what, here's what happened. Here's what Q the monkey did and he didn't handle it well. What should he have done? And then the next question will be, um, uh, uh, Johnny's afraid uh, because every time he goes around the corner, this mm-hmm. happens. Uh, why should he not be afraid? When's the last time you were afraid? Mm. So it's everything from talking about how you feel yeah. to social scenarios. What right. happened in this situation? What should you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, they're actually doing EQ training at major corporations now because a lot right. of people come in and they are brilliant, especially from other cultures. Yeah. They aced our standardized test here in America, right. but they don't really understand the social cues and interactions. Well, yeah, that's so interesting. And you know, what's so interesting and important and just thinking back to my own childhood, um, I dealt, I think I told you, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, uh, OCD. And so my reactions weren't normal. Mm -hmm. And so I got that message from my outside world that I'm not normal Mm -hmm. and I can't talk about how I feel. So even as an adult up until like my early 30s, I bottled up a lot of what I was feeling, felt like I couldn't talk about my emotions because they wouldn't be normal or they wouldn't be accepted. And so I think that's such a powerful tool. And and to be able to encourage your kids to really talk about how they feel and express that, that's what what an important part of of EQ. One thing we're really excited about is that there's – there's usually in education, mm-hmm. you pick the topic in education or parenting for that matter. There's this camp over here and this camp over here, right? There's there's uh, there's there's usually two different camps, right? Mm-hmm. These people think this and these people think that. In emotional intelligence, there's a shocking amount of consensus. Mm. Pretty much all experts agree it's good, yes. it's useful, it's beneficial, mm. and it can be taught. That, yeah. That's rare wow. in education, right? So yeah. here's one thing we're excited about is in this era, say with the school mm. shootings, there's been all these tragic school shootings. Right. And people are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on gun control. 
But emotion, teaching social and emotional yeah. skills, or EQ, yeah. is the only proven correlate to decrease violence. Yeah, I mean, you can take uh, away a weapon, but a child's going to find another weapon well, but, or but, a but I'm not even saying I'm not even addressing whether you should or shouldn't have yeah. gun control. What I'm saying is it actually has proven to decrease bullying. It's proving yeah. to decrease violence. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Instead of, like, if you have a tree that keeps producing rotten fruit, you can keep right. picking the rotten fruit. It's going right. to keep producing rotten fruit until you get to the roots. And, and the roots of a lot of the violence and the problems today in schools are the fact that the the kids don't have the proper skills to be able to deal with these things around them. And, and, and so if you get to the root of the problem, that's what's going to prevent the rotten fruit. I mean, whether you have guns, you don't have guns, people are going to find other ways to harm people until you get to the root of the issue. So just super powerful. What I'm really excited about is uh, talking about maybe some uh, skills that, that the, the people that are listening right now can actually apply and use in their life with their children or even with themselves to increase their emotional intelligence. Uh, when we come back, Back more with Reed Dickens, uh, the creator, co-creator of EQtainment. We're going to be talking about some tips and things that you can do to actually increase your emotional intelligence and also to teach that to your children. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. Welcome back to Spotlight. Today we have joining us in studio Reed Dickens. Reed uh, is actually living in Newport Beach right now. He developed a company with his wife called EQtainment um, after being a big... Uh, big star in the White House. I'm just <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> you've been, you've been, uh, you've actually appeared on Larry King regularly. I mean, you've, you have so many amazing things that you've accomplished. And this is really something that you're passionate about your passion project. So something that I asked you on break, and I want to bring this back now that we're live on air, because this has been a struggle for me. And, and that is the fine line between how, how do you teach emotional um, intelligence and, and yet not teach children to be people pleasers? You brought up something interesting. You said naturally most children are selfish, and so you have to teach them that emotional intelligence. But, but what's, the, what's the fine line, or is there a trick there? Because what ended up happening in my life is I was so aware of everybody's feelings around me that, that I actually changed my behaviors and what I want based on what I other, thought other people wanted, and it created a lot of dissatisfaction and unhappiness in my life for, for right. several years. So how do you balance that out, being aware of other people, but yet knowing um, and being aware of yourself and not changing who you are to fit into somebody else's mold or idea or to make them happy? That's a great question. So first of all, I want to start out with the disclaimer, even though I'm trying to cut back on my disclaimers, um, <laughs> that that uh, a lot of times when we talk about these types of subjects, yeah. people will say, well, what study, you know, are, are you a child psychologist? No, I'm not a child psychologist. But most of what we're talking about here are things that there's 40 years of research on. And right. There's a lot of consensus. Um, I think if you put eight kids in a sandbox with four toys, um, you're not going to see a bunch of people pleasers, right? You're, you're, the default mode typically is um, what's mine, right? It's, it's, it's animalistic almost, right? right. This is mine, right? Um, I think there are environmental 
uh, factors to like if you grow up in a certain environment where you're taught to be like that or also I think there are some kids that are that are the exception right but I think it's the exception not the rule um, I think teaching a child to think about other people's feelings and honestly I think that's something as an adult as an adult uh, trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes yeah. we have a whole episode of the show on walking in someone else's shoes it's really powerful because if you do wow. it if you do it hour by hour every day you have a lot fewer angry reactions you have a lot fewer mm -hmm. you know WTF moments well you know what I just had a huge breakthrough as you were talking so I'm going to share oh, it with you I'm here here, for here's it. my huge breakthrough this is what I think happens I think that in my particular case I spent so much time focusing on other people's feelings and I wasn't able to express my own I ended up suppressing those that I almost focused more on other people's feelings so I think the healthy balance read is that you not only are able to be aware of what other people are feeling you're able to be aware of what you're feeling well that's why I said you're able three, to acknowledge what other people are feeling and and yourself and that's what you had said buckets, earlier yeah. but I think that's what prevents you know you were missing people the third pleasing. bucket <laughs> right I was missing that I was like so aware of other people but I was missing yeah, my own right. self-awareness so so that's really important factor is helping your kids point. not only realize what other people are feeling but be able to express what they're feeling in a healthy way and feel like it can be important enough to be acknowledged by other people just like other people's feelings are important enough to be acknowledged by you so it's really powerful so I want to get into some content pieces here I want to be able to anybody that's listening to be able to walk away with some tools that they can use to help their children grow their EQ so read go Okay, so a few things that I, I, I often will say when I'm to my coworkers or my partners or my friends that I've been working on this or that in my life, and then I'll immediately realize, wait a minute, that's something I learned from, from Q Wonder. So it's a, ch it's a children's content platform, media, children's games, children's content, but I've noticed over five years that I'm constantly uh, working on things that I'll realize after the fact I learned from the platform. Examples are um, young, young kids, but specifically young boys have a hard time con uh, conflating emotions or, or separating emotions, uh, to say it conversely. So for instance, a young, a young kid will, uh, if, you, if they're scared, they may act angry, right? If they're embarrassed, they may act angry, right? Mm -hmm. if, they're if they're anxious, they'll act angry. So whether they're embarrassed or scared, no matter what they're feeling, a young boy will act angry. Yeah, well, I think yeah, yeah. And, they can't and, compartmentalize and My wife and I joke that, that young boys struggle with that from age five to 50, right? Like right. I still struggle with it, right? So a lot of times I'll feel myself become irate, angry, and all I've made it a habit over the last few years to stop myself and say, is it because I'm scared? Is it because I'm insecure? Am I feeling vulnerable? Like, what's really causing? Because anger is very rarely the mm -hmm. core emotion, the root emotion. Another, another example in terms of like reading the room is that uh, I started about three years ago when I call people. You can ask anyone who I call, and uh, when they say hello, I say, hey, where are you? Um, and I know that sounds like a really little thing, but I started doing that several years ago because what I realized is, is that if someone's standing out in the heat or about to walk into a meeting or if someone's in the bathroom or if someone's juggling their kids or taking something out of the oven yeah they're they're maybe they don't want to hang up because they're afraid you're going to play phone tag or they're afraid right. you're not, they're going to get a hold of you again mm -hmm. i ask every single person now a lot of times people think i said how are you they'll say oh, i'm doing fine and then they'll realize oh where am i i ask every single person without exception yeah. and if they say oh i'm in the gym i go okay i'll call you back in 15 minutes because if it's something important i want you to be able to process yeah. it and and listen right so little things from mm -hmm. putting yourself in other people's shoes isn't just like, how would you feel if you were embarrassed? Or yes. It's not always the deep, profound things. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh, you're picking your kids up from school. This isn't a time to talk to you about a legal, a legal paper. Right, right. right. Well, th well, that um, awareness is so important. And you know where it shows up a lot for me in my own personal life is sales. And so I, I hate when I go into a networking meeting or I'm talking with somebody and they're trying to sell me something and they talk all about themselves. I literally was talking to somebody a few months ago who um, didn't know me very well. It was just a, an introduction. Um, I started, I got on the phone call with him. He said, hey, let me tell you a little bit about what I'm doing. I put the phone on mute because I was making breakfast for my kids. 28 minutes later, I took the phone off of mute. He had been talking the whole time. I had not said one word. I'd been on mute the whole time. And in the 28 minutes, I said, hey, I've got to go now you know we need to wrap up this conversation he said well you know when are we going to work together I think this would be perfect for you and I said what do you know about me and he said well very little and he said but I know this would be perfect for you and your crowd 
And to me, what I teach people, and I teach people on, on enrolling people, I teach people on how to engage in their program, and I'm really good at it. And the reason why is because I teach them, don't talk at all about yourself. You only listen to, or very little, you only listen to that other person. You ask them all about themselves, what their dreams are, what their goals are, what their obstacles are, and you'll find out exactly what they need, exactly what they're wanting in their life and if you can actually fulfill that for them then you express that to them and you've then got somebody enrolled in your program because you actually care about them and listen to them and provided a solution for their problem rather than just telling them all about yourself right. the whole time. one slight modification of that because mm -hmm. I think there's a balance right uh, it's not that you don't talk about yourself and my view is you let other people talk first right because I actually overcompensated for years when I left the White House mm -hmm. I assumed because so many people were interested in my yeah. stories and Air Force One and 9-11 that I got to where every time someone asked me a question it was like pulling a string on my back and I'm like okay <laughs> and I'd be like tell them and, yeah. they, and they're like no I just want to know what you do for a living yeah. and I would have told them a 15 minute story yeah, about my yeah. whole life story so then I over I got insecure and I overcompensated because so many people were telling me I was talking too much in meetings so for about four or five years um, I actually got scolded by four or five different partners of mine because someone would say well Reed tell us your background what's your story and I'd say oh started my career in government uh, built a few consumer brands companies and now I'm trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up and I would say and we'd leave the meeting and I'd have partners say don't ever do that again mm. when I ask you to tell your story I need you to talk about 9-11 yeah. and I need you to talk about your experiences it's a unique story you yeah. need to tell your story what I realized the balance is is that you always want to let other people talk first and you want to see what their appetite is what's their mm. attention span yeah uh, you know what's their mood and yeah. that's the third bucket of EQ right so my first bucket was recognizing my own emotions am right. I angry or scared the second bucket is like empathy like where are you <laughs> right now as a practical but the the third thing that I've put in practice in my life is in terms of reading social cues and reading people's body language, figure out are they in the mood for a long talk or are they really fidgety and nervous and stressed and thinking about something else and in a, and yeah. in a hurry, right? Yeah, really, really great point. So can you tell, can you share some of your success stories with EQtainment? Is there one that stands out to you? You know, I think we all have these moments in business where somebody comes up and talks to us or we hear something we're like, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm passionate about it. This is what all this hard work's for. Do you have one of those moments Two or stories? I'll be okay. quick. Uh, the first, and this was one of our dreams, uh, my wife said she wanted to get the, uh, her products in Chick-fil-A's children's kids meal program. And it's not like McDonald's, you know, where you throw the toy, you throw the toy away because you're embarrassed you took your kid to McDonald's. Um, Chick-fil-A children's program is um, their average toy lives in the home for months. Uh, so they're really high quality. So mm -hmm. a McDonald's kids meal toy may be a few cents. Mm -hmm. uh, Chick-fil-A may send, spend seven or eight times that on there. So oh, yeah. their, their kids program is very educational. Uh, they also only accept iconic brands as partners. Like Mattel right. was on the waiting list for years and never got approved in the kids. Oh, wow. So when my wife said she wanted it to be in the kids meal program, I, I literally said out loud, not in my head, That'll never happen. Like, don't get your hopes <laughs> up. That'll never happen. So, but she had an intention, so, and I'm guessing she had a vision. So, so several years later, um, yeah. they put our, our products in over 7 million homes in their kids' meal program, and it was a dream come true. Second moment is that she had an idea for a show, but mm -hmm. she really only had the idea for a jingle, uh, like the intro to a show, and for a pilot episode. Mm -hmm. And when we said we were going to make a show, um, we decided to make 24 episodes initially with all original music. And yeah. every investor said, have you guys ever made an album? Have you ever made a show? Have you ever produced a show? Have you ever written a show? Have you ever come up with a budget? How are you going to do this? So a year later, we had um, a red carpet screening with all of our celebrity guests uh, in, in L.A. And, and watching the screening of our show with all original music with our celebrity guests in front of all of our investors, wow. was a, that was one of our proudest moments. Wow. That and again, like again, like all these things that you're telling me about, you've just displayed in your life the power of intention, the power of visualization, and making things happen. I just got this moment where I where I got the goosebumps as you were talking about that because, um, wow, I, I mean, what you've been able to create from your life and with your life and what you're able to do for other people and with other people is all because you've had that that intention, that visualization, you've stuck to it. So. Super, super powerful information. So how can people learn more about you, Read about EQtainment? Um, if there's somebody out there listening that says, oh, I, I want to develop these emotional skills. I want to be able to um, have this awareness, increase this awareness in my own life, in the lives of my children, so that 
I can set them up for success so I can experience more success in my life. Uh, where, where do they find out yeah, more? Yeah, so uh, the, the best place, obviously, this isn't going to be surprising, is um, on Instagram, the Q Wonder, Q-W-U-N-D-E-R, Q Wonder, uh, at Q Wonder Instagram. Uh, we're not a big company, right? So the founder, the founders and the CEOs read every comment, right? Um, EQtainment, you can look it up on, you know, if you Google it, uh, EQtainment or Q Wonder. Um, but I, I think... Um, almost, uh, there's never someone who comments or asks a question or who, who asks to partner with us. Uh, there's no one who ever reaches out that doesn't hear, that, that doesn't hear from us. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, for, sometimes people have questions about uh, parenting and they say, well, my child's an exception or my child's a difficult child. A lot of times, uh, Erica and Sophia both speak at conferences all the time and they'll just get surrounded. And one time in Atlanta, Sophia spoke at a conference and I was just watching that the people crowded around afterwards were, were crying, right? Mm-hmm. This is parenting. Parenting's a challenging thing. It's yeah. messy. That's the first thing Sophie always says, and I always say is that we're not parenting experts. Parenting's messy. There's yeah. no formula. These are just proven tools that everybody needs. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So, Reed, we have just a few minutes left, and I want to give you an opportunity to just what's what's in your heart, what's on your mind. Um, what do you feel inspired to share? Last thoughts with uh, the audience today. You know, I think we we live in a in a climate right now. You can call it a media climate, cultural a cultural inflection point, a political climate, however you want to characterize it, where it seems like there's you know there's really two Americas, right? There's there's the haves and the have-nots, and and that all that conversation becomes partisan sometimes. And really, it's uh, about opportunities and resources. And the thing that I get most inspired about when we talk about emotional intelligence is that it's proven to be a correlate to upward mobility, right? And upward mobility is near and dear to my heart because there was really no pathway out of Monroe, Louisiana for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no pathway uh, to the career I've had. Um, upward mobility is an important thing. Now I understand there's a lot of kids who have structural disadvantages that I didn't have. Uh, but I think what I'm passionate about is that these tools, forget that this is a business, right? These tools are widely available for parents and YMCA and daycare leaders and churches and homeschoolers, and it actually changes the trajectory of a child's life, whereas memorizing and making an A on your test does not, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think in a world where everyone says there's no middle class and there's no, if you're born in a certain place, you can't get out, people are starting to talk like that, and it kind of breeds hopelessness, right? Yeah. And I, I, I just don't believe that. I think that these are tools, that's one of the things I'm so excited about with these tools. Right. Well, I love that. And some of my biggest takeaways today and just listening to you and talking to you are, are the power of intention and visualization. Um, I know that's not necessarily what we were talking about with the EQtainment, but I think it's such an important component of that. And when you're aware of other people's emotions, when you're aware of your own emotions, when you're able to have those three buckets that you talked about, you are set up for success. You believe that you can do things. You're aware of situations around you so you can be prepared for opportunities. So um, my biggest call to action for anybody that's listening right now is to figure out what it is you want in life, set a clear intention, and then visualize yourself getting there. And then go and download this app, the Q Wonder app. I mean, 25 questions that's going to help you and your children identify what you need to work on and how you need to work on that. Such a valuable piece of information right there. So thank you so much for joining us today uh, on the show, Read, And thank you, all of you who are listening, for investing your time in yourself. And until next week, when we interview more guests that have transformed the lives and are working to transform the lives of other people, I'm Allison H. Larson, and you've been listening to Spotlight. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.